You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast. I am Matthew Baker, and I perform a comedy stunt show at the Moisture Festival. And I'm Louie Fox, and I perform a comedy magic show and hand shadow puppets at the Moisture Festival. If you're new to this program and don't know exactly what the Moisture Festival is, the Moisture Festival is a four-week festival celebrating the variety arts, and it happens in the city of Seattle. They've got the new venue, which is the Broadway Performance Hall. Now, this is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this during the festival or around festival time, be sure to get tickets now because 95% of the shows sell out. You can get tickets to all of the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. On this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we welcome in the hilarious Michael Rayner. We learn about moving to Los Angeles from Michigan and the intricacies of balancing a spinning cheeseburger on a spinning umbrella. Yeah, a pretty hilarious interview, and he actually gives some tips to up-and-coming performers on what to look for in a career and how to go about being a successful performer. So definitely an interview you want to check out, and we're excited that we got him on. Let's get to it. Our guest is an actor, writer, comedian, and performer. His show is a combination of hilarious tricks and stunts with uproarious stand-up and has been described as preposterous brilliance. He has appeared on a ton of TV shows, including Sesame Street, America's Got Talent, Late Shows with David Letterman and James Corden, and a favorite on Nickelodeon television. Most recently, he is a TikTok star. We welcome in the one and only, one of my favorite jugglers, Michael Rayner. I don't know, TikTok star, it's so relative. I mean, it's like, uh, but I do have a lot of followers and they're, and they're, and they're so sweet. And um, I mean, obviously there's those people that have five, 10 million, but I've got, I've got 422,000. So, you know. So according to, according to allfamous.org, you make the significant amount of your income from TikTok starring. Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) Is that true? You've got to send me that. I am fascinated by that well i read a different one one that said your number the number four most popular 59 year old tiktok star i want to see all this information you guys are bringing me facts i've got to see these facts if i'm the top four of 59 year olds there's not that many 59 year olds out there i know just the fact that there's four 59 year olds who can operate the internet is is impressive i know um (laughs) And the saddest thing is in my analytics on TikTok, um, the age group or on Instagram, I, I look at the TikTok analytics once in a while. Um, it's 13 to 40 year olds that are 75% of my audience. Once we get to over 50, 2% of my audience, my own kind doesn't even. Care. Really? Huh? 
my own kind. They don't care about <laughs> your Nick Cage pillow. I know. And then it's like, uh, and then women on Instagram, it's only 22% of people that engage with my content and is the, it's 78% male. And I often think a woman at a show, I did a show at the Actors Gang uh, just like a couple weeks ago. And she said, when you first came out, I didn't really have high hopes for your act. <laughs> and then I really enjoyed you. You were great. You were amazing. So just my physical presence as a turnoff to, to women. You left over the very low bar we set for you. <laughs> yes. When, when, when I came out, she was repulsed. But I won her That's over. Great. All right. We kind of yeah. we kind of came out of a cannon here. Let's back it up a little bit. How do you describe what you do? Um, I you know, it's weird because it's like in the pantheon of juggling, people always just think of balls and clubs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I I do do those things once in a while. But I like to do what I like to call the the um, if, if this was m music. It'd be more of the Strindberg of music. I don't know what that means. It's the off the beaten path things, the things that are not, you know, normal, like parasol spinning with tricks doing parasol stuff and and uh, devil sticks, but with tennis rackets, which I only, I always think that those are far more interesting yeah. than the actual devil stick. Everyone always tells me to try devil sticks and said, yeah, I know idiots. Uh, that's what I learned. <laughs> what do you think I learned half of these tricks? <laughs> and, and they're boring. Devil sticks are completely boring. And Penn Jillette said that, that they were the most boring prop ever. And then somebody showed him my tennis racket stuff and he goes, I stand corrected, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, you know? I think because an audience member has touched a tennis racket before, exactly. whereas they have no you, idea. What, yeah. You variety artists are speaking my language. I don't think people understand. I love when an audience can identify with the props we're using. When a juggler or a magician or whoever brings out a thing that is not a thing that you're familiar with, they're like, well, then it's some kind of gimmick or magical power. But if, yeah. if, if if a magician brings out just a piece of rope and starts cutting the F out of it, you know, PG-13. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden it's back together again. You can't go wrong with that. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. that's why you you're the only person I know who flies with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> True. But. Speaking of that, that, that's the new, it's the new information. I got to keep, I got to keep every up to date on. <laughs> I've been balancing that wheelbarrow for like 40. Yeah. Like 40 years. The same wheelbarrow. Uh, there's three that were in rotation. This one's been with me for like 20 years or something. <laughs> this one's been with I, can't get, I can't get them anymore. This wheelbarrow I currently have has been to Japan, Canada. Um, like, I don't know, several of the United States, Mexico. Um, it's platinum at the Best Western. Yeah. yeah it's, it's well, better seats on American than you do. It has a million miles of frequent flyer miles on it. Uh, They're like, you know. excuse me, Mr. Rayner, your your wheelbarrow gets the seat. You, you're getting bumped. <laughs> you get yeah, exactly. So um, I, I noticed a click in my jaw the other day because I balanced it on my chin. Like this was like three months ago. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, from this point on, in, you've got to pay me over a thousand dollars. Like these, you know, five hundred dollar shows for birthdays or like a library show or whatever. You, I, it has to be a thousand or above to have the wheelbarrow. In the wow, app. the wheel, the wheelbarrow <laughs> uh, markup. It is the wheelbarrow markup, and it's just because it's like I realize 
as all of us as variety performers, we, we have a shelf life on the physicality yeah. that we have. And I hope my tricks this year have been getting better and better and better. Um, but I feel that with the wheelbarrow on the chin, I just felt it in my jaw a little bit more than yeah. usual. And I can, I balance a symbol, which looks big. I pull it all apart. So it's really big. I just put a, 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 a video on that on my Instagram and, and TikTok. And it, it fills up the space, just not as grandiose as the wheelbarrow. But, you know, I want I want another 10 years out of this career at least. <laughs> and so, what I loved about the wheelbarrow is like when you pull it out, it's like just beat the hell. It's yeah. like there's just dents and like it's got a flat tire. And... Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's just in the duffel bag going into the uh, belly of the plane, you know. So, Although I think you might have just come up with a cool like thing for your show is like, you list out all the tricks that you do and then you put prices next to them. You know, that's <laughs> a good say. idea. And then I you're like the a la carte show. Yeah. yeah. And then you get there and you're like, Hey, the booker paid seven fifty, So we can get 250 people to cough up a dollar. Wheelbarrow goes <laughs> yeah. up. Wheelbarrow's true. Up. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. It's a, it's a premium trick these days. So, uh, where did, where do you come from and how did you get into this? Um, I come from the Mitten state, Michigan, um and i was 18 years old i i mean wh who was it maybe it was uh, robert strong or somebody when we were all hanging out i think it was at your house it was yeah house. it was my house yeah yeah and he got on the phone with michael davis i think something like that i remember vaguely yeah 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 um and the thing is it's like um i saw the play sugar babies when I was 18 and Michael Davis was in it with Ann Miller and Mickey Rooney. And I saw it in New York city when I was in high school in my senior trip. And I'm like, there's nothing cooler than, you know, than him doing these weird juggling tricks and weird stuff. And I thought that was amazing at the concurrently at the same time, I was a huge Steve Martin fan, but I was super shy. And so I graduated high school and like day one after graduating high school, I just, went to a junk shop and picked out a bunch of stuff to start doing tricks with. Now, had you and, been doing stuff before that though, or you're no, doing... no, I oh, was wow. completely introverted. No, no physical tricks, no juggling, no nothing. You know, when they always talk about, Oh, he's been, he's been practicing tricks since he was four years old. No, 18, uh, like June of, uh, June or July 1st of my 18th year, 1981 was when I picked up the first thing. And, when I'm doing shows at like libraries, I tell kids there was no YouTube. I had to learn how to juggle by diagrams in a book, <laughs> which is weird to think now that we have such a oh, yeah. uh, accessibility to video for magic, for all the our variety arts. But I had to look at a book and say, do this, do that, yeah. do this, watch up here for balancing, devil stick this. Well, it was amazing. And I, I used the library to learn how to do my variety. <laughs> so yeah, so I... I um two years I practiced and then they had auditions in Flint, Michigan for an ill-fated amusement park called um Auto World, which was featured in the movie Roger and Me about the demise of Flint, Michigan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was one of the inaugural acts there, did my stuff, and um and then I just kept on doing shows and then eventually I started doing amusement park stuff. I went down to Knott's Berry Farm, uh or not Knott's Berry Farm, um uh, Bush Gardens in Florida, then up to Six Flags over Georgia, then down to Universal Studios, Florida, toured Canada with um, Fringe Festival stuff. 
and then hit LA and then just set up shop in LA and start doing TV commercials, writing, and then still my show. So, so that's amazing. I, I was watching your commercial reel and I know like every of those commercials. <laughs> and those are just my, those are just ones that I think are kind of cool. Like then I realized, oh, I didn't even, I don't think I put the one with, I'm with Ringo Starr in that. And no, I, it's so not. You t- there, there's an interview of you where you reference it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we don't yeah. see it. <laughs> and I didn't even put it in. I think it's just because I was trying to make it more concise. And, and so it's just really funny. And then if you know the magician slash actor, Steve Valentine, mm-hmm. who's a buddy of mine, we met on a commercial with Ringo Starr. And then we both realized we both did. Well, he said he did uh, magical stuff. That was when he kept it on the down low. He, he wanted to be no, no, no more for an actor. But now he's like. Totally. I'm Steve Valentine, magician. Um, but like, yeah, we were both in this thing with Ringo Starr, flew up to Canada to shoot it. And then we shot with a bunch of other celebrities where they just cut us in like Jane Seymour, Tony Bennett. Um, and there was a bunch. And I even forgot we, two years of commercial money on that one. Cause they That's we amazing. Did, it, did it like we did like 16 spots over two years. So you, it was fun. You, you know, all these, your typecast is like the nerd. Yeah. 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 Nerd, weird, uh, odd, you know? Um, and then, it, the art critic one was like, uh, it was weird because they shaved my hair for the Ringo Starr one, which I didn't even put on my demo. Uh, it was shaved it really short and then I got it, they bleached it blonde. So it was like weird New Yorky arty guy. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, nerdy guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How'd you get into commercials? So you, cause you're doing your, your thing, you end up in LA. Well, I end up in LA and, and, and I had a headshot and I just sent it to the agents like people do. And I had five agents and I went and interviewed five agents and I picked one within three months. I had a big national, you know, and it was really fun. That was the one, the weird credit card commercials I, I did over two years. And then I had one with Elvis, which is really popular. Elvis is the big yeah. one. That yeah. Was that was my one. favorite. Cause we, we yeah. just had a baby and we named her Elvis. So oh, I love that. Go. Yeah. Yeah. That one and rung, that- rung home for me. And what? That, that uh, hit home for me, that one. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, and just so I just started doing commercials. And then I got involved in warm-up on sitcoms. And it's just, you get an agent, and then you start meeting people. And then just, it just, it's, it then becomes a career. And you don't even yeah. know how. You know what I mean? Yes. You did sitcom warm-ups. Uh-huh. So wh- that wh- is true. Which, so, so explain what that is. All right. Uh, when back in the day, this is like a little bit before Survivor debuted. It was like, you know, single camera dramas and then multi-cam sitcoms where there's tons of cameras. I, I, I think like five or six. They call them multi-cam. You're in a soundstage. You know, you have all the scenes plus a couple bonus scenes in that soundstage. If you go outside, they just uh, film those without an audience. But there's an audience there but it takes three to four hours. So you want to have somebody as the liaison with the audience doing, you know, either comedy, karaoke, competitions with the audience, various things. And um, through a series of events, I got started getting warm up work because it's a very insular thing. There's not really an agent for it because my wife was on a Nickelodeon show. She knew Michael Malley. He had a sitcom. He had a pilot. He said, hey, come out and do some of your tricks. And then the guy that was the warm up was really nice. He didn't find me as a threat. And he goes, OK, I'm going to help you get into this. And and I wasn't even thinking about it, doing it. But he goes, yeah, a beginning person can make, you know, fifteen hundred a night to two thousand a night. And I'm like, OK, I'm interested. <laughs> um, you had me at 15. <laughs> yeah. 
and that so, covers wheelbarrow expense. I know. And so he, <laughs> he laid out what goes on. And then that's when I was really ambitious. I forget how ambitious I was when I was younger. Cause it's like, I, you know, we, I came to LA, the wife and I came to LA with like, I don't know, 50,000 in debt or whatever. And so I was super ambitious. The more you make money, the less ambitious you get. I would That's just, true. I would cold call producers, mostly just getting the PAs. But one of the times I got the actual producer for this show called um, Secret Lives of Men, starring um, Mitch Rouse, uh, Bradley Whitford, and Peter Gallagher. And uh, I said, hey, uh, this is Michael Rayner. I'm just calling. I'm a warm up. I, and then I said I'd warmed up that Michael Malley show, which is sort of, but but I said, you know, I, I worked with Don Reed on that. And so really, I'd never warmed up an actual show before because I just did a little bit of bonus stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got the producer. Usually you don't. And then they were like, uh, what do you do? And I sort of said stuff. I said, let me come in and do some of my tricks for you. They said, come on in. So I came in and did a little mini five minute show and they liked it. And then they said, come on down. And then. Then the next thing I got another call because then I was in there and then it just sort of, you know, how it all kind of went downward is this. I did that for a while. Built up, went from being in debt to us having, you know, 40,000 saved. And then right when we had 40,000 saved, I was then working on that 70 show. And I worked on a lot of things doing four episodes here, two episodes there. And I was on that, that 70 show, which is very popular. Uh, Day one, I did my warm up great i asked the line producer who was my liaison is there anything you want any notes and um and the the person said no no uh um uh can you hear the one second i've got to stop right now can you hear the beeping the wife left the refrigerator door open and it keeps on beeping (laughs) would you would you would you shut the refrigerator mora I keep, keep waiting. I keep waiting. This wait- has to stay in. I keep waiting for the dog to butt scoot behind you. <laughs> I know. Do you see the dog behind me? Yeah. Yes. Oh, there it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm there because it's like we got this new refrigerator, um, and and then it's like all of a sudden it beeps. It beeps if you leave the door open. Let me hear if it's shut yet. I think I think she shut it. Okay, good. I think your screaming came through. I know. So, anyways, um, uh, I they uh, you you, I was on that '70s show, and then uh, I no. Can you hear it? Oh, there it is. Back. <laughs> All right, stay there. I'm gonna try it. Gonna She's try messing it. with you. She's shutting the door and then opening it and shutting the door. She's cooking or something. It's the fire alarm. <laughs> yeah. Right. There we go. You, and then and then I stepped on the dog because the dog yeah, but, then followed me because it thought something it was getting something. Okay, back. This is it. Um, uh, how the ins and outs of warm up. Did a lot of warm up. Made a lot of money. It was super awesome. Um, and uh, and the thing is, I was on that '70s show. First episode, great. You know, I say, are there any notes? No notes. Second episode, no notes. I get to episode sixteen. And no notes, but they take me to the kitchen of that 70s show. And if you've seen that 70s show, you know the kitchen. And the guy says, ah, the executive producer's having a hard time. He's getting a divorce. And it's like, why am I being told this? I don't, this is not part of my life. I don't need to know this information. And he just felt the show wasn't, people weren't laughing as much as episode. He wants to fire you. So this is your last episode. And so 
it's like, then you realize this is when we were pregnant with our first child. You know what I mean? You realize you can, you can ask, is there anything I can do? But any, at any moment, no, that you just can get fired. Yeah. The, the nice thing, and I'm going to say now great things about that 70s show. They paid me for two episodes I didn't do, <laughs> which was great. Then they said, oh, we're, we're going in another direction, but will you come back and do two more? I did. And then they paid me for another two Sweet. that I didn't even do. And then, you know, and then I was off the show. You can just get fired for any reason in show business. And so, you know, it's it's great. And then. I did another show where they said, hey, just come in quiet. Don't get crazy. Because if you've ever been to a sitcom taping, they're really heightened. And I said, okay, are you sure you don't want that crazy energy? No, just come in. Let the comedy of the sitcom. Well, that was one producer saying it. And then another producer midway in when the audience was super dead is like screaming at me. What do I think I'm doing? What, what and then the director had a different note and i realized you have to navigate things that aren't even about your show now yeah. i love the money but the thing is i love just going and doing my show i wasn't doing my show i was air traffic controlling in between downtimes i would do a trick engage with the audience then then kind of air traffic control when we're shooting when we're not explaining what's going on and it was it was it was stressful it was not yeah it wasn't fun now sure you can make a lot of money but i much rather go do three library shows and make a thousand dollars and not have any stress yeah you know? no well, stress. And it, it takes away from your artistic sort of exactly uh, what, yeah. what you're trying to do yeah, why yeah. you even got into this and so it's like it was fun there was i met a lot of people it was interesting you know um you know, and I made money enough to, to uh, put money down on a house, which was great because at the same time I had another big commercial, uh, like I had, there was a bunch of big commercials that I had at the same time. And it really worked out that, that we had money to put down on a house, which was great, even though yeah. that big chunk of money was vanishing. But then I've been, at, I've just been doing things for so long when things vanish, you're like, well, there'll be another thing. And then some other group says, Hey, can you come do this event? Can you do yeah. this? You know, well, that's like what it seems like what TikTok was for you during yeah. the pandemic, which was like, well, Hey, I I'm able to sort of get my art out there, do tricks in short form yes. and, uh, and get a following. And you sort of got a lot of notoriety. And uh, I'll that. now talk about the money with social media. Um, at day one of TikTok was basically, uh, I'm sure both of you lost, I lost 120 shows within two weeks. Yeah. That was like of, of the pandemic much. starting. Yeah. Yeah. When the pandemic started, it was like, we're, we just, we're not having shows. This looks like this is going on. Nothing, you know, it's all, everything's done. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. Like, who knows when it's going to come back? Who knows when it's going to come back? And so I was like, okay, I am now going to be, I'm going to go on social media and post once a day, post once a day. I don't care if I don't have anything I think is cool, whatever it is, that's what it is. And so I started posting once a day. And slowly I, I kept on getting more and more of a following. And then like the very first time I did the cheeseburger trick, it went from like a hundred people following me on TikTok to like a hundred thousand. And that kind of blew up on Reddit, right? And that it blew up on Reddit too. That was so funny because I didn't, I wasn't really on Reddit. And then I went over on Reddit and I was like, 
that was weird. This it was blowing up on Reddit too, because I'm just not a Reddit person. Because it's like all the ups and downs and thumbs up, thumbs down and sub threads and and Reddit <laughs> always seems a little bit more creepy and cruel than like when I when my TikTok followers were like, oh, that's cool. I like that. You know what I mean? And well, then, there's a face, I think, to TikTok, like, right? Yeah. People have profiles, whereas Reddit's just like, you know, I hate all things for 2799 right. underscore five. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that Reddit helped everything. So Instagram was going crazy. TikTok was going crazy. So I went from like a few, like, I think I had 1500 followers on Instagram. And then I had like 10,000 TikTok, a hundred thousand. But then that started the ball, ball rolling where then when I started to post, you know, I would have these massive growth spurts and, and, um, I've had 16 videos on TikTok go to over a, a million. Wow. But my most popular one, which was 16 million on TikTok, was when they demonetized me for a short period of time, or no, for like six months because I was doing fire tricks because I didn't know that wasn't allowed. Because I saw like Grace Good doing fire tricks on there and other people, but I guess they were famous enough that they didn't think, I think how I look like I was just a doofus in his yard. <laughs> and I tried to explain, no, this is my job. It goes back it's, to the woman who had low hopes when you walked exactly. on stage. <laughs> and so I, I, I was demonetized. I was banned for two weeks, but my celebrity got me back on TikTok. But Instagram then started growing. And so how it all worked out money-wise, um, people started reaching out for me to do little like cameos. They say, hey, can you do a happy birthday and then do a trick and I'll send you a hundred bucks. I said, done and done. And I did like, I don't know, 10, 15 of those. Hardy's restaurants reached out to me and I made two videos for them and made 1500 bucks. Um, Blinkist, which is an app, they reached out. I did a, a video for them and made 1500. Instagram started paying me for my reels, which right now I think we're up to like, I don't know, I think like two, 3000, something like that. Um, TikTok so far, lifetime, my TikTok money has only been $800. Um, <laughs> so not that much. But then the other thing that then sometimes people just buy videos that are already done. Rosetta Stone did that, the Ellen show. So that they can use in their sort of yeah. like montage or. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there's another group called Storyful that does little news articles with my videos. And then magically I get money in my PayPal. I don't even That's know amazing. how I'm actually monetizing. That's amazing. It, I have a, a relationship with them. Totally, I think it's only been with all forms of social media money, maybe 8,000. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, but if you add in, I forgot during COVID, I put a tip jar on my Instagram. I made $6,000 in tip amazing. Money over two years, which was great. Then with that, PPP loans and then doing Zoom shows, because I, I did Zooms, I set up the whole Zoom show thing. I managed to recoup pretty much 100% of all the losses. And now coming back into live shows, I still have this social media thing that is still generating money. That's amazing. Ways. People reach out and want me to, and I do get clients that want me to come do shows or do a virtual show sometimes. So, so without COVID, I would have not had this whole other thing, which is kind of exciting. And my, my favorite thing is like, uh, one day I just woke up and I had a thousand followers. It's because new followers, because Jessica Chastain put me on her Instagram because she liked me. <laughs> Another day, Josh Brolin said he wanted to be me and I was in his Aww. story, which was Aww. weird. Then Jennifer Garner put me on her Instagram. So that 
when Jennifer Gardner put me on hers, because she's got like, I think, 8 million, 10 million followers, I went from like 37,000 followers to like 100,000. And then it, the algorithm just kept on working until yeah. pretty much this week. This has been like six <laughs> months. I've always had an upward arc. So I'm at like 152,000. Um, and right now I'm flatlining for like the last three or four days, which is fine. Ooh, are you okay? Are you going to yeah. make it through? Yeah. Do I need to send you some flowers? It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I am flatlining. It's a, it's a voice see Every day you will lose followers on Instagram. It's just how it works. But it's like most days I would gain 400, lose 100, you know, gain 300, lose 50. But now yeah. I'm like, it's re- inverted and I'm like losing like three or four a day. But it's like, it's been crazy. And a lot of celebrities, Rosie O'Donnell constantly reaches out to me and says how much she loves my posts. <laughs> I love if you had to block Rosie O'Donnell because. She- <laughs> are, so are, so, you, are you still keeping up the output of like one a day? What I've done is this. Um, yes and no. What it is is because the the last hundred thousand that have just come in have only been there for like the last four months, three or four months, something like that. So now I just go back in time to older posts, re-edit them, do a different music, maybe colorize them a little bit differently. See if there's something new, uh, a different edit. Do the director's I'll do cut one of those. Then maybe do an original cut. one. Maybe if I'm, you know, depending on how many shows I'm doing, I'm getting back into doing so many shows. It's just, it's hard to uh, do an original post. But then if I think of something new, like all of a sudden this mega throw, I did a mega throw with a Nicolas Cage pillow into the basket, which was like a half court shot that made it. That went super viral. And, um, and that, you know, that was just like a thing. The, the Nicolas Cage pillow only has been in my repertoire th- like, two and a half months, maybe three months or, or no, four months. Cause the daughter wanted to throw it out. Cause it was hers. And it was <laughs> Wait, your daughter had a nickel, uh, uh, sequined. Yes. She wanted it. She goes, ah, I'm done. I'm, I'm cleaning my room. And I said, well, I'll do some TikToks with it. And that's become one of my most prolific things to try to figure out new and bizarre tricks with. So, yeah. So everything is always sometimes when I'm at a show before I go on stage or, you know, when I'm just hanging out, like whatever, I have to just be somewhere where I just start to brainstorm ideas. Yeah. Cause you're, you can't really do anything. You're in these weird down moments before going on stage. And then I try to implement them, them the next day or something. So. Well, that's, that's what I really enjoy about your show is that you do sort of traditional tricks, but with like weird objects, like the cigar yeah. boxes with a cooler or like oh, the, tennis, yeah, yeah, yeah. the tennis racket while, yeah. you know, fading you know Nicolas Cage's face in and out. And, yeah. you know, like the the parasol with the, the hamburger. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to remember, I haven't even done the cooler live. I want to figure out a way to. Oh, bring it's, that it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to do it. Yeah. Because it's re- it's kind of it. It makes the I see all these jugglers doing the bot the bought cigar boxes really fluid but these are actually chunky yeah actual cigar boxes and an actual cooler from my garage and i kind of like that once again in my ethos of my show i gotta i really do gotta put that in there I'm yeah and you could that. even have like food in you could even pull your hamburger out of yeah, the cooler yeah. you know that'd be yeah. a nice thematic thing to yeah. then that leads into the next bit. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm yeah. writing that down. We'll look for the re- residual check on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll just show up just like, like the okay. Instagram money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so Michael, what is your, in, what is your social media, ha- media handle? 
Um, on on Instagram, it's Broken Juggler. On Twitter, as far as it's still there before it goes up in flames, <laughs> it's Broken Juggler. Um, and then on TikTok, sadly, there's a person that has four posts, but never really takes full advantage of Broken Juggler. And I, and I don't have that. I have Broken underscore juggler i saw that i saw that so why you just reached out to them and been like yeah what's the deal man i know we'll collaborate so why broken juggler um because i actually addressed this in one of my posts once um i showed the x-ray of when my shoulder is dislocated and i have a detached labrum and when they said to fix the detached labrum because if I hyperextend, it goes out in my shoulder, and then you see it just go down. It's crazy. Um, so that's why I just brought the broken juggler thing in because I'm a broken juggler. Um, <laughs> and the doctor said, can you do your show if it's in, but just don't hyperextend? And I'm like, I can. He goes, well, we can fix it, but you're out of the game for six weeks. And I didn't even, you know, I've had a lot of friends get repairs done. And sometimes, no matter what they say, it's a longer rehab and it's kind of a little bit weirder. And so I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to um, not hyperextend. And I've hyperextended twice on stage. And I just say to the audience, hey, everybody, I just knocked my shoulder out of socket. So I now have a, uh, a, a dislocated shoulder. Let me lay down and pull it back in because I've learned how to do it. I had the first two times it happened, I had a doctor do it and they gave me Dilaudin and I didn't like the feeling of that drug. It was weird. And then I'm like, I think I can do this now. And so I just learned how to put it back in. Which You're is like, great. Have you seen the beginning of Lethal Weapon? Same thing. Yes. <laughs> and the weird thing is, it's not even that dramatic when he, when he, you know, he makes it super dramatic. I just lay on the floor and slowly pull my arm back into its socket, you know? So when, when you were coming up with your show, like, you know, was there a framework that you were sort of following outside of like you said you were inspired by Michael Davis? Like, were you just follow like, what was, what was the main sort of inspiration or template that you were using? Just, Oh, I would say basically it, it you know, um, this is, I'm going to out myself on this one it's a variation on Michael Davis until mm. you find your own voice. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to tell every, I will tell everybody out there that you basically, um, oh, one second, the wife, uh, let me, let me, she's let texting me, um, you to close the, the fridge door. <laughs> yes. Hey, could you oh, leave you know that what? door open? Yes. You know what? I, I was I trying to defrost the freezer. <laughs> she went to get my daughter from work. I remember she was not even in the house and I'm yelling it, and she's not even in here. So basically the very beginning, uh, you, uh, you, you do the eat the apple trick. Everyone yeah. was doing the eat the apple trick. Michael Davis did the eat the apple trick, you know, because it's messy, it's cool, it's whatever. And people like it. Um, and then the Steve Martin, you know, juggling three and then following the other, you know, just sort of the basics, you know, I, I barely do ball juggling anymore in my show. Cause there are, shredders out there that are doing things yeah. that made champions 10 years ago look like novices. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. The new guys that are doing, but then I realize a lot of them don't even do shows. They just do this because they like it. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, so I was doing the, just the standard. And then I, I leaned into like hang doing so many shows that then you just learn who you are. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You yeah. drop the affectations of other performers and you just learn your own yeah. voice. And and I think that's how a lot of performers, you start 
as a loose mimic to what you've seen. Yeah. And then you start dropping all those things, you know? Exactly. And then, and then you have your own voice, you know? Yeah. So, for me, it was the Raspini brothers. I emulated them for <laughs> quite some time. And then you found my own voice, but your voice is a very, is very unique because it has a, a tone that you don't get on a lot of other performers. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, no. And I wasn't even, it was, it's just so weird how I, how everything keeps on evolving and, and people are fascinated that I can kind of be somewhat aggressive to children, but how I do it, it's like, we're playing together. And then I watch other performers try it and the kids are upset. And I don't, mm. I don't, I think it's just from years of being, I just always, this, the, the, the magician I hated that would come out and say, Hey, boys and girls, uh, are, are you ready for whatever and just, and sort of describe and not just like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? And just be just like in their face. Like we're playing it's playtime, you know, mm. and not that weird sing songy, you know, Hey boys and girls type thing, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. You're, you're living in the moment versus doing yeah. lines. Exactly. Exactly. True. True. And like when, when I watch you, it sort of feels like you're just, top of mind like you're just sort of like talking about what's happened in your day <laughs> sort of like what most you're... times it, i mean a lot of times it's there's the skeleton of the show and then let's like at my friend scott nary's booby trap show you know i i'll i would just get up and have the remarks of the day and then start the trick <laughs> or whatever it was you know and like one time uh, i was i was uh uh complaining that my wife was i, I don't know i don't know if she's seen paul simon or paul mccartney or one of the famous musicians that was supposedly having a farewell tour and I was just being bitter that she did not come to the, the show to see me and she was seeing some hack named Paul Simon or whatever it was. <laughs> some famous Paul. <laughs> yeah, some famous Paul. And it, it worked out and people liked it. And the the thing that's really been fun over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years that I've started doing it was balancing people's shoes because every shoe has a story that I can improvise with each shoe and, ha and then have those for later on, you know, when I get shoes that are similar, then I can like, like for some reason I got this sandal, just this was like uh, two months ago and I got this sandal and I said, oh, somebody drives a Subaru and it just somehow fit. Oh yeah, that's nice. Sandal, because nice. Subaru was like a, often was thought of, they marketed to lesbians and the sandal looked exactly like what you would think a lesbian would wear. But mm. I never said any of those things. Yeah. I just said, somebody's driving a Subaru and it worked because everyone's connecting their own things. And they yeah, just thought totally. it was funny. You're like doing cold reading with shoes. <laughs> well, funny you should say that. <laughs> when the very first time, before I even started balancing them, I said I was a shoe mind reader and I would just get the shoe shoes oh. and make up things with, the, you know, the 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 people that, that I got their shoes. And then I said, what am I doing? I think I could balance these on my face. And at this time, I had my daughter's Girl Scout cookies. This is going back to like, I don't know, 15 years, whenever they were in Girl Scouts, a long time ago, and probably about 12 years ago. And so I said, if I cannot balance your shoe, you get Girl Scout cookies. I lost twice, but then I bring the Girl Scout cookies to the lobby and we sell like 20 boxes. Oh, that's <laughs> so, <awesome. laughs> it works out. Always hustling. Well, I think yeah, when I saw hustling. you do it at Scott Neary's Booby Trap, you were, uh, do you have something where you give out $100 bills if you can't do it? It was never a hundred. It was never a hundred. It was oh, okay. like some days it was 10, some days 15, sometimes 20. 
I did do a buddy. I want to say it was a hundred when I saw it. Social media money was high that yeah, week. Yeah, it was. I might have had a hundred dollars, and I might have saw the shoe that it was a very linear shoe that I knew I could do, and I might have. I I I probably might have. It might have been one episode that I said a hundred, but I've done rich people's parties where they say, "Hey, um, we'll cover the cost, so make it a hundred a shoe." And then, and then it makes it really exciting because I'm not paying, but I don't want to pay out. I would love you for know. you to fail like 150 times. Right. You know, <laughs> to, there you go. The guy has to mortgage his house to pay off your show. <laughs> I know. There you go. You could, I could have had the wheelbarrow. <laughs> well, he had the wheelbarrow. He was over a thousand. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. How did you get involved with the Moisture Festival? Um. Uh, what's his name? Is it Randy? Is it Randy? Who's Godfrey? Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't. We have to edit oh, that hey, out. Yeah, we edit, yeah. we have to edit that out. Right. Godfrey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? Is it? Are we not to have his real name? Like, yeah. Well, he doesn't Godfrey. like him being associated with the character. Well, that's the problem because <laughs> the constantly, it's like um, the the thing is, um, I, I'm like, what's his real name? And I'm talking to him all the time, and like, I always know him as Godfrey. Is that okay? <laughs> uh yeah no that's fine but like he we have like he doesn't like it out there that he is godfrey oh that's funny my, now yeah. my, everyone's emailing or texting me now um <laughs> oh that's funny because i didn't know because i'm like i was talking to him at this actors gang show that he was in and i'm like i was just thinking i just know you as godfrey what is your real name again and in my mind i was just and so it's okay that i just know him as godfrey. yeah 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 so anyways um i'm just gonna beep it out whenever y'all say Oh, that's good. That makes it seem even more subversive. Um, he was like, "Hey, do you want to come do this thing?" And and it never really worked out. But then the the year that I did do it, it kind of worked out. And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, that'll be fun." And so that's how it all happened. And I came up and did it, and it was super fun. And I got to meet a lot of cool people. And um, and that was that was the thing. And then the great thing is, then they had me up for some. Uh, they brought me up for some fundraiser. We did the auction together. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. It was something. And then also all of a sudden, um, when I was in town, there was like somebody that um, needed a, like a house party. And they said, hey, do you want to do this? And so I made some extra money going doing just somebody's house party. So That's it, awesome. it, worked out, it worked out. And so it was Had, And I know you live in LA and there's probably a lot of variety shows that are kind of like the Moisture Festival, but like what came across as unique to you that the moisture festival offers that you don't get other places. Um, well, a lot of new performers that, you know, this, that aren't, aren't cycling in through LA. That was kind of fun meeting a lot of new people, you know, in that regard um, to, um, you know, midweek, like in LA, it's tough to get audiences. Scott Neary always does a good job. Booby trap always does well, you know, but there's a lot of shows that it's tough to get audiences. And then there were always giant audiences, super receptive, you know, and I think this is one thing that I, I will say, if you work the improv in LA, there's sometimes, I mean, I had a great show there just recently, but a lot of times in the main room at the improv, it's a very, um, like, we're agents, we don't laugh at anything vibe, that they don't yeah. want to have fun. And I felt the, the reverse of that at the Moisture Festival, that the audience was there to 100% have fun, you know? That they're, they feel a sense of joy and gratefulness, which sometimes I think in the hipster locations, sometimes the joy isn't there sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think, I think it's the joy and gratefulness of the audiences, which is really alluring. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and you're coming back again for a sec. Is this your second time that you're coming? Yeah, back? yeah, yeah. It's my second time. Okay, and it, it's a di- it's a different venue now, but yeah, yeah, um, it's going to be awesome. I just remember the first time when you were there before the party at Matt's house. Matt texts me, he's like, "You got to come out like tomorrow night and see see Rainer." <laughs> Oh, sweet. That's nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Awesome, awesome. No, it's good. So uh, before we, uh, you know, sign you off here, we have to ask you about the cheeseburger and the parasol. I would assume that's your most famous sort of it trick, is. the most requested trick to do on the sort of all the late night circuits and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the impetus of that? Um, uh, I'm sure you guys probably researched it, or, or you might have known. I mean, because we always look at weird historical things, and like the clown bit with a ball string attached to the top, spin it, tip it, then uh, of the parasol, the and then spin it. You yeah. know, mm. on the parasol. Um, and I learned the, you know, spinning a ball, but I'm like, ah, eh, you know, what are we doing? You know, it's not, it's just not a thing. You know what I yeah. mean? And I was in line at a McDonald's, but now I use Burger King and those, I'll explain that. Um, <laughs> and, and I got one and it worked, you know, and it wasn't until years later, like, I don't know, it was 10 years ago or whatever it was that I learned that. Burger King burgers have a little bit of a fatter bun. So when they hit the parasol, I get a little bit more control, which makes it so much better. And so it's just, I learned on McDonald's, but Burger King has a nice fatter bun that gives the more, the more area, more friction and more control for me, you know, to control the spin. And then even self unwrapping pickles, shooting out, kicking it off the knee and then lighting it on fire those are all innovations from just like the last, I think, six years or so. Uh-huh. I mean, I feel like lighting on fire is just a logical next step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The lighting on fire was just like, and then when I light it on fire, I've been doing I, on my social media on Instagram. I don't put fire stuff on TikTok because I don't want to get taken down again. But like I can go from one one parasol to the other by doing two at the same time. And then in rehearsal, knew that I don't, I don't know if it'll ever be ready for show level, but I've worked on it forever. And I don't even know if audience will understand how difficult it is, but I've gotten two um, fake burgers. I have these foam burgers to practice with. I've got two, one on two, one on each parasol spinning and just watching back and forth and correcting back and forth for like 20 seconds or 30 mm, seconds. That's cool. But nobody knows that that's so tough because I, I posted just that on my Instagram. Is that this is the toughest trick I do and nobody cares. So. Well, it cracks me up. I was researching on Reddit and people are like, that burger's not real. That burger is real. I'm like, does it matter? Can you do it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, one I'm, the one that I did for the one I went viral was real. You know, I even tell the audience, oh, this is a rehearsal one. This is a real one. And then they see, and then they always wonder, how does it not come apart? They, to, even today, they were saying there's toothpicks in it. And I'm like, no, it's just cheese. If you, you know, the cheese keeps it together. Cheese is sticky. It stays together because of the cheese. Crazy people. Now, have you yeah. gone through all the the fast food restaurants? Have you done like Carl's Jr., Arby's? Yeah, you do a double-double. Because yeah, like Burger I love King, Burger King was not near Branson when I, I had like some corporate show in Branson. And so I just ended up going back to McDonald's. And uh, But I have done an AMPM burger before. AMPM um, does burgers. Oh yeah. I've done, you know, I've done, I've done, you know, other burgers, but if I, if first choice Burger King, second choice McDonald's. And then if, if, 
if it's some, if I'm out in the boonies somewhere, I sometimes just remember to just bring my own, like get it the night night before. Oh, you'll fly with the Burger yeah, King burger. I, you got a wheelbarrow. I, you got a wheelbarrow and burger. This dog is alerting to you. <laughs> I flew. I I got the pickles that I liked, and and um, I I did fly, I didn't fly. Well, here's the thing. When I went to a, a corporate show recently, I brought the pickles that I already pre-selected that I like to put in because I put the pickles in that I like, mm. that are big and visual and that are sort of st- stuffed in enough that it takes a while, then they shoot out, but they're called Lassic Ovals and the heaviest, n- the, how they're shaped, the centrifugal force takes them out in a perfect way. And I Bread and butter, no. Other kind, no. The Vlasic Oval, it was like, I think five or six pickle choices before I hit on the classic oval is perfect. <laughs> that said, when I did Letterman, that was still McDonald's. And they uh, said, please fly with your cheeseburgers because we'll have some here. We're just not sure if they're like LA burgers. So we want to be <laughs> to cover all bases. So they made me fly with my cheeseburgers. Well, and that's what I watched a couple of your sets. I watched your America's got talent set and your Letterman set where you hand the burger to them. And both times, I think uh, it was Heidi Klum threw your burger <laughs> at Simon. Away, threw it <laughs> yeah. at Simon. And then Letterman like was like doing something weird. Yeah. With it. So I had a big stack of burgers in my bag on America's uh, Got Talent. Um, so yeah, I mean, Letterman's doing crazy, whatever, but it's still, he, it was still a circle. So it was You're fine. flying with multiple burgers. You can right. afford the but multiple. Heidi threw it on to the parasol when we did it. D- late, Dave handed it back because that was early on because that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And then James Corden, when he threw it on, he kind of threw it high and I had to back up. So if you ever watch my demo that's on my demo tape, you can see I kind of take a big step back because he kind of did a high throw, but I still caught it. Um so yeah, now now I don't even hand it to people to throw anymore because I'm putting it on there because it's fully wrapped and then I self unwrap it. Yeah, I need, I need to control that because I've had people try to throw the wrapped one on, but because the paper is so slick, it has to come on in a certain way. Gotcha. No, so it's it's all these technical things and people <laughs> never know. They never who knew know. when you were a 17 year old kid in Michigan that, uh, yeah. you know, the type of burger really made a difference. Well, yeah. And the other, I forgot to tell you the most important part about why everything happened is because I graduated with a 1.97, which is a mm. C minus. I had nothing else to do. So this, yeah. was, this was the choice. <laughs> I just came across my uh, high school uh, report card for my junior year. It was like F F F F F F. He'd be smart if he showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think in four years of high school, I only attended three years. Yeah, so. I think I'm in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, people can find you at michaelrainer.com at Broken Juggler on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. TikTok uh, Broken TikTok, underscore. Broken. Oh, underscore, sorry, yeah. underscore. And then Michael Rainer. Also, you have a YouTube channel. Also, yeah. Don't even go to YouTube. <laughs> I'm not. I have not been a good steward. YouTube is like my friendster. It's just really not there. You know, I, my, my YouTube is like a, a, a very sad, sad, sad state of affairs that I got to figure out how to um, resurrect it with more long form. Stuff. Well, maybe the people who are listening might go to YouTube and, uh, you know, help out your algorithm. That's true. True, true. Yeah. yeah or yeah, it might yeah. bump you up on the Instagram for people over 41 years old. Right. I know. <laughs> Oh, and so one last thing is uh, 
I have written down that you were on Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, were, were you, tell us about that real quick. When I got to LA, there was just, my agent said it was a thing for children's television workshop where they were shooting interstitials out here. And the letter was J for juggling. So they put me in a flouncy outfit. And I think I do have that on my YouTube as like little clips of that. And I was in a weird flouncy outfit just with cigar boxes with J's on them. The parasol, I did spin the ball, but the parasol had a big J on the top and there were some oh, other cool. J themes. And I didn't think anything of it, but they kept that in the interstitial for J for like 15 years. And that's all awesome. my friends, when they were having kids, they would say, oh, we saw you on Sesame Street today. It was no residuals because it was PBS or whatever, but it was gotcha. kind of fun that it's in the pantheon of... Um, Sesame Street. I mean, that's just kind of a fun kitschy. You're fun J- you are Jay. I know. <laughs> no, it was good. It was fun. You know, it's so funny as I uh, I turned sixty in in on January thirty first, coming up next week, um, and I'm going to be performing at the Magic Castle that week, which is very exciting. I like performing on my birthday. Um, it's funny because the wife and I talk about like like, like you know, it's like we've met so many celebrities and things and done so many things in, in, in Hollywood now that when you look back on it, the very first time you do things, like when I got a commercial with Ringo Starr and I'm going to go meet a Beatle, it's very early on in my career. It's so exciting. And then I now just get just as excited going to somebody's house and doing a kid's show as I do doing yeah. a corporate show or whatever. And it's <laughs> yeah. not that it's, I don't want to make it make it seem not cool. I it's like a job and there's a contentment more so than like, this is it, man. You know, mm-hmm. this is it. It's more of a contentment that this is our life and it's a great life. But it's like uh, everyone says, oh, after this, you're going to be famous. Fame happens to so few of us, mm. but having a good living happens to many of us. And that's the thing that I want all the variety artists that listen to this to understand. Yeah. You might never be famous, but you might have a fantastic life. And I think that's the thing I want to leave with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate yeah. it. And uh, we're oh, excited to see you thanks. up in Seattle here uh, pretty soon. Oh, it's March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Michael. And uh, yeah, keep crushing awesome. it. Keep- Check out his, your his TikTok and uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank right, you. Buddy. Hey, thanks so much, man. Thank you. All right. I'll see you later. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's dot com 
and Matt Baker's site, ComedyStuntShow.com, spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled. Yes. And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.